Hey ladies, welcome to Yes and Amen, where we talk about growing in our faith with biblical truths, real life testimonies, and meditating on God's word. Now I'm your host, Priscilla's Pearl Dominguez. Let's get it. Welcome y'all to another episode of Yes and Amen. I have t- Tara Hugey, uh, which is uh, an incredible human being. Um, she is here we're going to be talking um, about all things mental health, specifically just like truths around mental health. It is Mental Health Awareness Month, right? It shouldn't be the only time we care about this topic, but um, I wanted to bring her on here because she's actually a mental health professional, right? So a lot of us maybe know some information about some stuff and uh, maybe have educated throughout time, have been educated throughout time around this topic, but um, it's important to, to hear from the people, right, that have gone to school for this. Um, I'm also a mental health professional, but I wanted to bring in Tara um, because she does a more, especially the clinical side of um, mental health services. So I'm going to read her bio and then we're going to get started. So Tara is a licensed mental health counselor based in New York. After pivoting from her dreams of becoming a journalist, she came to fully realize her passion for supporting others. And so she traded dreams of her name in a byline for a master's degree in pastoral counseling and spiritual care at Fordham University. Currently, she serves as a therapist and clinical supervisor, come on supervisor, at a domestic violence agency in East Harlem, New York, where she provides individual and group counseling to survivors. Her self-care outside of work includes baking New York time recipes, spending quality time with loved ones, and taking an obnoxious amount of pictures of her cat, Titus. <laughs> I love it. Welcome, Tara. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Those who follow me know Titus rules my Instagram. I love reading people's bios and seeing like what they're like what they want to put in and what they don't I just like I don't tell people like what kind of bio to give me so I always just love the different kinds um and you be inspiring me too with those New York Times recipes I actually love um New York Times recipes as well but I always kind of like forget about them and whenever you post about it I'm like yeah I forgot yeah they will definitely stretch you outside your comfort zone in terms of food uh that's been I guess like my quarantine hobby Um, I, I just love food and I was yes. like I can't always buy food that's too right expensive. but if I can make it and get leftovers because you know the leftovers are the best part I'm that's right like, <laughs> <laughs> I, I love it I love it thank you well yeah thank you for being here I'm grateful that we get to have this conversation um and y'all you know throughout um this conversation y'all if at any point you even have questions towards the end um I th- you know so feel free to email me maybe I can resource you maybe I can direct you to Tara to resource you, uh, but I think it's always important um, to be willing to ask questions of people who are knowledgeable, especially if the Lord has called them to be knowledgeable in this professionally, right? So we're gonna get right into it. The first question is, what is the difference between mental health and mental illness? I think both words, both terms are very um, interchangeable often. And um, I think it's really important and we have to be really careful to actually differentiate them, acknowledge what is the difference. So what um, would you say are the differences? All right, so mental health speaks of our emotional, psychological, and our social well-being. Um, it impacts like our relationships, how we feel, how we emote, our work, our self-esteem. And so it's just a factor in every stage of life. Like kids too, kids have some level of mental health as well. Um, now mental illness um, speaks to a condition that impacts our mood, thinking, and behavior. So it's something that even disrupts your or impairs your everyday functioning. 
So when we think of say like anxiety disorders, right? They may affect your ability to be present. Um, we think of like clinical depression, which can impact like your interest in things that once brought you joy. Or uh, we can think of like PTSD, where we see like trauma can impact your ability to cope. So really the difference is like, we all have mental health. We just all have varying degrees of mental health, just like how we all have varying degrees of physical health. So although all of us have like mental health, not all of us may have mental illness and mental illness. Um, and the number with that is I believe is one in five Americans have a serious mental illness. And so even with that statistic that considered like serious, so it may not involve like moderate or like less severe mental illness. So I think that's the main difference. If I could just sum that up, it's everyone has a level of mental health. Not everyone may have necessarily a diagnosed mental illness. Thank you for that. Yeah, I was actually going to um, ask that as like a follow up in regards to diagnosis. I know, like, for example, when I was in grad school, um, and I have a master's in social work, and we were, um, it was a class literally centered around the DSM-5. And I'm like, wow, I have all of these things. Like, <laughs> I the way I just diagnosed myself, and I was like, I have everything. Um, but I know that's not, that's not accurate. That's not the best way to get diagnosis. There's a lot of, I think, um, kind of taboo, maybe even fear around getting a diagnosis. I think especially as adults, because it's like you're going and asking for this versus like maybe a child, um, a, a teacher or someone is suggesting it to a parent and maybe the child has no awareness and no shame around that. But like as an adult, maybe people just kind of want to self-diagnose as opposed to like getting diagnosed. Um, and yeah, I would love to hear like, what has been your experience about that? What do you think about that? Like, what do you even think? are the best um, tools. I know obviously assessment also has to do with like insurance and money. So I know not everybody has the accessibility to get diagnosed. So that's a reality. Um, but yeah, I would love to hear your thoughts around that. Yeah. Um, I mean, well, a lot of it speaks to stigma like that a lot of people, there's a lot of worry and uh, shame sometimes around diagnosis. Um, and well, first things first, don't diagnose yourself. Um, I also took classes in uh, diagnosis and I remember going through the DSM-5, which is like our manual that lists and um, describes all sort of the known uh, mental uh, health disorders. Uh, and I remember going through and saying, oh my goodness, I have all of these things. And it's so, and the thing is, it can be easy to see ourselves in some of these things. And I think it speaks to like our humanity that we have struggles every now and then. However, um, uh, when it comes to diagnosis, it, there's a lot more of a process involved in it. It speaks to like the frequency of your symptoms, the intensity of your symptoms. Um, so yeah, it's, it, it's a very thorough process that would be done, um, say through like a psychologist or a psychiatrist, even within the mental health field, different licensure um, within the field um, is allowed, is able to um, uh, uh, diagnose. So say for myself as a licensed mental health counselor. Um, so in my work, I don't diagnose. However, I still hold an understanding of like how certain diagnosis can impact a client's, you know, everyday life. Um, and I also draw the example to, you know, when we think about if we're experiencing something wrong, like physically, you know, we're noticing that we're not feeling well, 
maybe it's a headache that we're noticing isn't going away or a stomach ache that's not going away after we try treating it at home with, I don't know, Pepto or Advil or whatever the case is, you know, we then see, you know, a doctor for that. And that doctor is able to then treat or diagnose and treat whatever the, the symptom is. And then quite similar to like if a person is experiencing like an actual mental illness or disorder, um, quite similar to with our mental health, like we might try to treat it on our own. Like we might try to care for ourselves on our own, maybe do a little self-care, a little bit of morning walks and smoothies and whatnot. And we're noticing, okay, I'm not seeing a change in how I'm feeling and what I'm experiencing. So then we would then see like someone who is trained um, and licensed in mental health to be able to see about if it's even something that reaches to the level of like a diagnosis. Cause I think also in light of just the past year that we've experienced so many people are experiencing stress and burnout and all of those things. So it might not even reach the level of being something that's diagnosable. Right, acknowledging that it can be like situational. Yeah. It's not like what's going on, not necessarily that has something developed in within you throughout time. Um, yeah, when you were thinking about the doctor, I think of like so many people that like go to WebMD, right? Oh. <laughs> or Google their, their physical symptoms. And I'm like, Lord, help us because yeah. this, that is not the route, right? That is not helpful. Um, and it's kind of technically like that's what, if we were to look at a DSM-5, that it would do the same thing because it's only there to educate, but not actually diagnose you. Um, and so really, I think, I think it would just like in general, like we go, like everyone... Well, depending on like, you know, if you've gone to college or that, but if you've gone to college and have a degree in something, you're maybe doing that work, um, then people should go to you for that, right? We should like really go to people <laughs> for what they're educated in, for what they're knowledgeable in, for what God has specifically called them to do. Uh, we do that with doctors, right? And phys- physically. So, uh, and I mean, some people do do alternative stuff, but for the most part, we go to doctors. So kind of applying the same thing um, to our mind. And I think sometimes we, we separate that so much, um, especially as Christians, right? We'll be like, well, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just, you know, keep going to church. And I'm like, cool, one, we're in a pandemic. So I don't know if you're going to church in person. Um, but two, really also even acknowledging that, yes, maybe like the pastoral team can help you and all this stuff and community, all those things can help you and are important, but there are things that require a little bit more uh, and also acknowledging that, like, I know a lot of pastors like to provide counseling, but they're not certified or educated to do that. <laughs> um, you know, there are specific ones who have maybe gotten a degree in that, but not, I would say, most of them. I think when you get um, your master's in divinity, you have to, like, take one class in pastoral counseling out of, like, your 60. So it's not that you necessarily have a lot of information on it. So it really is an important thing to kind of, you know, unlearn maybe what, you've, what we've learned about it and really move forward and say, what is best for me? How can I continue to live the abundant life God has for me? How can I continue to serve my friends and show up for my family? How can I continue um, to be a healthy person as I wanna be? Um, And this may be part of it, right? Self-care may be going to therapy, right? Maybe it's not a a bath, (laughs) Um, you know, maybe maybe it is therapy. And so it's kind of like, it actually, I think, is like a really humbling decision to make. And it's a decision that brings, um, it, shouldn't, it shouldn't have to, but it brings like boldness because of all historical and cultural context to what um, therapy looks like. I actually, I don't know if you um, know about the new Jamie Foxx show that he has 
on Netflix. It's like, don't embarrass me, dad. Or yeah, something. I'm not going to say what I think about it. <laughs> oh, but, but okay. <laughs> but the first episode's title is Black People Don't Go to Therapy. And I was like, yeah, oh, you know, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if that's, I get that it's, it's a, it's a, it's a comedy, but it's also like, I don't know. <laughs> you know, I don't know if that's something that helpful or even adds to the path that we're trying to go on to actually make, uh, normalize this. Um, so I'm grateful, you know, that we get to be, we get to be representatives. We get to be women. We get to be uh, women of color. We get to be black women that represent um, maybe what, people in our family currently or previously would have never done to actually take care um, of their mental health. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so going into that of thinking about like faith, right? Um, what does it look like to actually address our mental health with our faith and with the Bible? Because if we are women of God, if we are people of God, then, you know, I know a lot of people say like Jesus and therapy, all this stuff, like it, our faith really should be a part of um, you know, our mental health journey and getting healthier. So what do you, what, do, what does that look like for you? Or what do you think about that? Yeah. Um, you know, I know I just, you know, defined how we see mental health, but I really see it as not just our emotional, psychological, and social well-being. I very much incorporate your spiritual well-being as well. It's, it's more, taking more of a holistic approach. Um, and I think when it comes to addressing you know our mental health you know with the bible i think we have to first you know what does it say like in i think it's in ecclesiastes that there's nothing new under the sun like the concept of mental health and addressing it is not new like if you read the bible it speaks of the importance say of like seeking wisdom or seeking wise counsel right um and if you read through so many of the stories i think coming at it with the lens that I have now of, uh, you know, working with trauma survivors, I'm like, wow, there is trauma, so much trauma throughout the Bible. There's lots of hope, you know, that that's what the gospel gives us. It gives us hope. Um, so I think first we have to acknowledge that, you know, that there are mental health struggles that we can relate to within the Bible. I actually have a few that I can, I can share first, namely, and I think I'll also just um, just the clinician and me providing a little bit of an activation warning in that there are some is some mention of like some level of like suicidality as well within that. But Elijah in First Kings 19, you know, after his life, you know, was threatened by uh, Jezebel, um, he goes to flee. And uh, there's this moment um, in in chapter 19 when he says, you know, it is enough, Lord. It is enough. Now, Lord, take my life, for I am no better than my father's. And when you hear that, like you just hear the, the level of depression and, and grief that is within that, that he wanted his life to end. Um, and in that moment, later on, it reads, um, then as he lay and slept under a broom tree, suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, arise and eat. Then he looked and there by his head was a cake baked on coals and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and laid down again. And it says that this happens again and, um, and that he was strengthened through that. And so it makes me think also of the importance of social work, right? How social work is not only just addressing the um, mental or emotional needs of a person, but also like their practical needs too. That, um, you know, that in caring for your practical needs, I can also care for your mental, emotional and spiritual needs as well. Sometimes we just need to rest 
you know? Um, I think of Jesus when he was praying in the garden. Um, I think revisiting that, I was able to see, wow, like just what Jesus was experiencing in that moment when uh, there's two, you know, in the gospels, it's meant, you know, the story is told multiple times, but um, in like Matthew 26, um, verse 38, uh, Jesus says to his disciples, you know, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, sorrowful, even to death. And we just think of like what Jesus was experiencing that in that moment, um, the agony, the pain. Um, we see um, in Luke 22, in the telling of him being in the garden, um, it says, and, and, and being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Then his sweat became like drops of blood falling to the ground. And that is trauma to be in so much pain and so much worry uh, and anguish that you, and, and some you know, uh, scholars will argue that like he was quite literally um, like sweating, um, uh, sweating like drops of blood. There's a particular medical uh, term for it that I won't even try to pronounce, but it speaks to trauma, uh, which we know results from an event or a circumstance that we experience as harmful or like life-threatening. Um, and so, yeah, we see so many of these examples. Um, I'll say maybe even Job, the story of Job, we understand that's a story of uh, grief, the trauma of loss and of depression. Um, or I'll even think of even just a, a, another circumstance relating specifically for women. We think of the story of Mar Martha and Mary, right? A lot of times we just say like, oh, Martha, she works too much. And that was just the case. And um, so in like in Luke 10, uh, some of you may or may not know the story. Um, Jesus is, you know, there with Martha and Mary and uh, Mary is the one that's sitting by Jesus, listening to the teaching and Martha is the one that's going about doing all the tasks. And she complains to Jesus like, yo, you see my sister, she's not doing anything. Like, why don't you, you know, tell her to come help me. And Jesus answers her he says, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. And in some translations, it says that she was anxious and troubled about many things. And I think it speaks to, especially for women, you know, so much of what we carry in terms of caring for our families, caring for, you know, in our work, in our communities. And yeah, how anxiety can really prevent you from being present. Um, and so when I think about um, really, uh, like how can we use like our faith, um, our faith communities um, in, um, it, you know, in caring for our mental health, I think it also comes about like seeking support. Um, the Bible talks refers to the church as like the body, right? And how we're all interdependent. And it, it's funny, I think working in the mental health field and also being a Christian, a person of faith, I see so many times the way that, you know, psychology and like faith are like interconnected and like these things, like the Bible referred to so many things, you know, even before Freud came to be. Um, and I think that speaks again to how like we are wired for connection. Like our brains are literally wired for connection. When we think about when we're born, um, you know, we're, you know, we're tied to our mothers. And um, so from, you know, conception, we are 
you know, connected in that way. And so, yeah, so the Bible refers to us as being the body and us as being like interdependent um, that we, and it reminds me of uh, something that one of my professors shared in school, uh, Dr. Mary Beth Wardell. She says, we are relational beings, that we are born in relationships, we die in relationships, we are hurt in relationships and we're healed in relationships. And so, um, and I think within, you know, within the church, um, I think we can acknowledge how we can find many ways of like healing um, when it comes to like our mental health, um, you know, ways in which we can rely on one another, um, how also just within our faith that we can also find like hope, um, you know, within the gospel, um, how that's what the base of the gospel is, is that it's about hope. Um, and I think also when it comes to like addressing our mental health through our faith, I think we could also address some of the limitations in that as well as you were hinting at, um, which is that like our pastors aren't clinicians, you know, for I can recall when I was in my program at Fordham, uh, I went to school with a number of like priests and like clergy. So here I was, I think I was like, what, maybe 23 years old up in there. I had like a mohawk at the time, like with these clergy in school. And um, a number of them said like in their training, they only really had maybe one semester, like, you know, one course really addressing mental health. And so I think um, there was actually this uh, New York Times article I came across some time ago. Um, and it was talking about how like for people of faith, in crisis, the first person they turn to is their pastor. And I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. I think in those moments, then we just have to accept that, you know, yes, our pastors can be there for us in our time of need, but also acknowledging if a person say experiencing, you know, suicidal thoughts that maybe they might not be equipped to safety plan in that in the way in which they might have hoped. Um, the hope would be that the person would, you know, be able to get them in touch with say like, you know, call whether it's, you know, going with them to the emergency room or calling whoever they need to call. But at the same time, like understanding just some of the limitations. Um, and I think that's also a call then to pastors to equip themselves with the resources within their communities um, to be able to support people. And I think also um, a last point that I'll make is that, um, that we can also make a tendency, have a tendency to over-spiritualize and and a tendency to make spiritual bypasses. I can't tell you how many times I've heard um, so many people say, yeah, you know, like I'm feeling really upset and I'm overwhelmed and it's hard to get out of bed and, you know, all these things are going wrong and they're just bad and, but God will make a way. And then that's it. Like, and it's like, wait, but we can, <laughs> but like, it's okay. Like God could still be good and things could still, be going crazy like in your life these things aren't like separate um and so yeah we can tend to um you know say consider things as being like an attack I've, I've heard the term that people have said like sometimes we give the devil too much credit or sometimes we give him not enough credit for some of the havoc that he reached you know wreaks in our lives um and so I think in those moments like I've heard examples of people sharing, you know, things like, oh, you know, like 
whenever um you know this is going on at work like i feel like i feel like i have these stomach pains and i get these headaches and i feel like i'm sweating more often and you know and they'll just like write it off as being the devil and it's like could be and it also sounds like anxiety so like it could be both <laughs> so um so i think a lot of that speaks to just uh how we need to destigmatize and accept that it could be like a both and um, it could be matters of the spirit and it also could be matters of mental health too. Hmm. Yo, all everything you just said. <laughs> yeah, I, um, I think uh, a few things you said just was like, just to highlight so important. I feel like what you were talking about the, um, the pastors, like being resourced and equipped to basically resource people kind of out um you know recently in new york city they're passing i guess like a law or a policy where nypd will no longer be like addressing certain um de-escalating situations when it comes to people who um are experiencing mental like health challenges or illness mm -hmm. um in a scenario maybe that involves like crime or something like that something like that they're going to call like social workers and mental health professionals and i'm like whoa 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 yeah. whoa Yes. Praise the Lord, right? Um, because they acknowledge that maybe they are not, you know, fully equipped and trained for that. And hopefully, you know, that law passes across the country. Mm -hmm. But we're starting small in New York out here. Um, but I think of that, you know, I think of that example. Um, and then just the examples that you were giving of the people in the Bible. You know, I think sometimes um, we really need to see ourselves as the, in the people in the Bible, right? Like I know, like most of them were like we're Jewish and like. We've never met them before and all this stuff, but there's still so much that we can relate to them um, because they were people. It doesn't matter if we didn't look like them, if we didn't have the same gender or background or anything like that, that they were people experiencing things like we're experiencing. Um, and so seeing what they thought, what they told God about their thoughts and feelings, like the, the scripture you read about Elijah just was like, basically, Elijah was like, I'm being honest with you, Lord, right? The mm -hmm. same thing with Jesus. I'm being honest with you, God. Um, and I think that also is an invitation to like what you're saying to be like, hopefully be honest in community to actually have people in your life, um, especially, you know, spirit filled people who, who you can be honest with. So you're not, you know, they're not asking you how you're doing and you're just like, you know, I'm good. Like actually like you can be honest and say how you actually feel without shame, without like feeling anything. Um, I had a friend recently who like, asked her she was doing and she like sent me like this long text she's like I'm so sorry for like putting all this on you I'm like please don't ever apologize for saying how you feel thank you thank you for just not saying fine mm -hmm. <laughs> you know so I pray that that would be the response of the body of the Christ of Christ that we will um that people won't feel that they have to say sorry for actually sharing how they feel and what what's going on in their life because that's what we're supposed to be for one another we're supposed to lean on one another and pray for one another intercede for one another because like what else is church like what else are we doing with church forget the services forget everything else like that is what you know church really should be about um and so yeah i pray that that can be something that we just like are more intentional about um and i know that goes actually to like the next question and thought we're going to talk about like how can we actually show up for people um that we love and support in our life that uh, you know we we we've talked a little bit about like what we should do, what we can do, don't self-diagnose, you know, go seek out the support, unlearn, um, you know, look at examples in the Bible, but then how do we show up for other people in our life? How do we love on them and support who may experience, who may be experiencing mental illness, or maybe um, they haven't been diagnosed and maybe they're not willing to get diagnosed with anything, but we still maybe see that they are in need of support around their mental health. Like how can we actually 
show up in a real way that's like effective and like tangible? Mm, yeah, I would say the one of the first things is about like bearing loving witness. Um, I think it's hard for us to sit and just to actively listen without wanting to, to jump in with solutions, right? And so sometimes it's just to sit there and to listen, to say, hey, like, what's, like, like how are you? And like, how are you really, <laughs> you know? Um, and, and to, yeah, just bear loving witness to that. Um, I can recall even just in, in my schooling, I very much was like, okay, what do I do if like a client brings this or that to me? Like, how do I fit, like resolve this issue for them? And what are my professors used to say is like, don't underestimate just being a loving presence for someone and how that can just really speak volumes. I think of the times when people especially showed up for me and those were times that they just sat and listened and like would nod. And like, yes, mm -hmm, I hear you. Um, I think that can just go the distance because how many of us are really truly heard and like listened to, to be understood. Um, and so again, with that also just not jumping to fix it um, because, and I'll say one of the things, um, so um, uh, one of my sisters, we have this thing uh, when, whenever we come to talk to one another about like a problem, um, we'll ask each other like, oh, like, do you want my ear or do you want my advice? And sometimes it's both, sometimes it's one or the other. And so it's also about like asking what the person needs. Cause sometimes we're quick to tell people like, this is what you need to do. And it's like, no, like ask them like, what does support look like for you? You know, uh, we think of the five love languages. That's been a really, uh, uh, when we think of like things that are trendy, like topics that are trendy. Uh, that book has been really popular uh, where it talks like how do people best receive love, whether it's um, words of affirmation, acts of service, receiving gifts or like quality time. And there's always one that I miss, but I'll catch it later. Um, but yeah, sometimes it's about like knowing what is the best way that you receive support. For some, it might be just sitting with me. For some, it might be, can you help me find a solution to this problem? Um, and it, that comes through communicating, like asking what does support look like for you? And then another thing is, you know, in sitting with them, um, I find it, it's really interesting how like there's like a whole like book in the Bible on like lamenting, but like we really don't do it. Like <laughs> we have such like discomfort with it. Um, cause sometimes like a, a solution is not always evident, you know, when we think about, you know, challenges with mental health, sometimes, you know, sometimes it's external things that we can't change. Sometimes it's internal struggles that we can't just wipe away years of trauma that we can't just wipe away like that. Um, and so I think about, um, something that one of my first supervisors used to share with me, and I know I can't curse on this program, but she used to call it sitting in the crap box, only she didn't say crap. So there would be times that I always would want to fix a problem for uh, some of the survivors that we serve. And she says, sometimes you got to sit with them. And uh, the last thing that I would say in terms of like loving on people and supporting them is, um, you know, we talk a lot in church about like our testimonies, you know, and, you know, there's, you know, certain, you know, I 
grew up uh, part of my childhood going to a Pentecostal church and like, you know, testimonies, like having testimony services were like a thing, you know, just like Sunday service, a particular Sunday service just dedicated to testimonies. <laughs> and so when we think, you know, especially if you are a person who has seen how, let's say, therapy has changed their lives, um, their life, um, share about that. You know, there's power in testimony. Um, I'm a therapist who has a therapist. I share all the time things that my therapist shares with, share with, shares with me. Uh, and that helps to destigmatize so much of what we think, you know, therapy is. I think also just even me showing up as a black woman in this field, as a Christian in this field, um, and then also sharing like what my experience has been like that. Yeah, like my first experience in therapy, um, I was almost ready to flunk out my freshman year of college and I dragged myself to my school's counseling center and like just the difference that was made in my life in having a space where it was non-judgmental, that's the hope, um, that where it was non-judgmental, where I got to just be fully present and share what was on my heart and that they were able to uh, partner with me, right? Because that's, I think, what it comes down to when it comes to people who are dealing with some of these challenges. It's partnering with them to find uh, what is the best way to bring about support and comfort to them. So, yeah, I think those things are, all those things are, are very important. Yes, yes. Um, I really love the do you need an ear or, you know, advice? Um, you know, was it, it was that, right? Do you need Yeah, ear? yes. Yeah, yes. I really love that. I think I'm going to definitely implement that because it, I mean, a lot of what you said and a lot of, I think of what it looks like to show up for people is selflessness to, mm -hmm. to not make it about you. Right. So when we're trying to maybe give advice when it's unsolicited or just share resources something like that, when it's not asked for, it's like a savior complex. We're trying to save the person in the circumstance, Jesus is the only one that saves, right? Mm -hmm. So <laughs> humble, get get off that horse and, you know, and become like a selfless person, right? I remember um, in school, like getting my social work degree, uh, you know, when I had to do, we had to do like progress notes when we had conversations with clients as an intern and we had to use right skills that we used, right? And a lot of skill, like the number one skill that they always said, like, make sure you use is active listening, right? Not just listening, but active listening that you can actually repeat back most of what that person said. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's like a component also of like really showing up for people. Uh, and there's just, there's just so many different ways, but I think there, it involves a lot of self-awareness and checking in on self, on like what you're projecting, what you're saying, um, and yeah, how you're showing up for that person. Cause it really is about them, right? Not you, yeah. <laughs> if you're really yeah. wanting to show up to love and serve them. Um, so yeah, we always close with um, asking the person that's our guest or special guest to share a testimony specifically around the topic. So would love to hear, yeah, any testimony you may have um, around this topic or experience. Yes. so. Um, funny enough, as I was sharing before about, you know, growing up in church and like testimonies, I've never gotten to give a testimony like in this way. So this is actually really exciting in my first time. So, um, yeah, so I think I'll, I'll really speak on like my testimony in terms of what brought me really to this field. Uh, as, as mentioned previously, I had dreams of being a journalist. Um, I went to college to study um, multimedia journalism. I went to uh, college in Florida 
And I very much had it all planned out. Like I had these journalism dreams. I was going to live this like Carrie Bradshaw lifestyle. I don't know who I thought I was, but like, that's who I thought I was going to be. And, you know, I had this dream of like working at Essence Magazine after graduating, starting my own magazine and all this stuff. And, and so this dream for me, it all made sense. And I didn't know how it wouldn't happen until, well, it didn't happen. (laughs) And it was the summer before uh, I was supposed to graduate undergrad. I was hoping, really banking on getting this internship at Essence Magazine. And I didn't get that internship or really like any internship that summer. And instead, uh, I lived at home and I worked 10 hour days at my local water park in the snack bar. <laughs> and um, and I think for me, I was always someone who was used to having like my plans work out. I'm very much a planner even to this day. Um, and, you know, to have like what I saw as like the pinnacle of like my dream fall apart, it was like really sobering. And especially to see like classmates that were out here at happy hour and interning here and there. And I'm like, what? Like, you know, I'm coming home smelling like fried food and y'all out here <laughs> living the life. But, you know, it was also during that time that I really grew in my relationship with God. Um, I grew up going to church. Um, I'm also a preacher's kid as well. Well, I came a preacher's kid later in life, but still very much a preacher's kid. Um, and it was during that time that uh, I drew closer to God. Really part of that time was whining about why my life wasn't going as <laughs> I hoped, but it was a lot of prayer um, during that time. And, and it was during that time that I was like hit with this epiphany that a closed door is not like the end of your dreams, but it's a really a reshaping. And um, while journalism was like my plan A, B and C all the way to, you know, all the way to Z, um, I was like really overlooking clues that was like, you know, leading me to my purpose. And so throughout the years, I've always encountered like friends and even strangers, like in grocery stores that would like seek my advice on things. Um, they would have like these challenges and say, like, hey, like, what do you think about that? And I would just like, even desk jobs that I would work, people would just come and share their story. And I'm like, that's crazy. Like, well, what do you feel about that? And before you know, my boss is like, Tara, like, this is not your job to help these people. Just like sign them up for these, like, you know, memberships and keep it, keep it going. Um, but I didn't realize, you know, during this time that like God was putting on my heart, you know, the desire to counsel people. And so like on numerous times, like it was suggested as a profession for me, but by then I thought it was too late. I had never taken a psychology course. um, And I was certain by the end of grad, I mean, undergrad that like no counseling program would like accept me. Um, And I think with that, it's one of those things of realizing that like your destiny will make room for you. And so, I started, you know, Googling just like what the possibilities could be. Again, at this time, um, I was really growing in my faith and I wondered like, oh, what could the possibility of like, like incorporating like psychology and like faith and spirituality, like what could all of this look like? And that Google search landed me at Fordham University. And so uh, they had a program in pastoral counseling and spiritual care 
where you were able to obtain licensure as a mental health counselor while also getting this additional training and uh, being able to provide pastoral care as well. And so I went on this tour, uh, just, you know, rode up, went on this tour um, to visit the campus. And, you know, those who um, maybe are like from New York know that Fordham is like a pretty big school in New York, very expensive, very expensive. But um, I remember walking along that campus and I was like standing on the great, this great lawn that's in the middle of the school, if you've ever Googled it or seen it in like TV. And like, I prayed to God in that moment. I was like, God, like, I know that this is it. This is where you want me, but here I am, I'm broke. <laughs> and I said, you know, I'm going to trust and I'm going to believe that you are going to, you know, allow me to do this program without a single student loan, that I'm going to graduate school debt-free. Cause I knew I didn't have it. It was like nearly a thousand dollars a credit hour. I couldn't do it. And so I said, it was gonna be the only school that I would apply for. And so I applied and it was maybe about a month and change later, I was accepted. And so I was like, great God, now like I need to pay for this. And I'll fast forward through some of the details but it was very much a, a huge faith walk for me. And it really honestly came down to the last few months before I was set to move back to New York that I was offered a graduate assistantship that would pay for 100% of my tuition. And it was like, you know, like I think even retelling that story is even just so comforting for me now in this moment and this reassurance that like, yes, like, your gift, it will like make room for you. And God has just been so faithful. Like even today, like seeing me through that program, everything like, you know, every time I stressed out about like, God, I, I need textbooks, I ain't got this family that came in to support. Um, and so I very much feel like this is not just like my degree, you know, that I just get to hang up on my wall. This was very much like God's faithfulness and like my community that came alongside me. Um, and so, yeah, so I just very much, when I think of my work, I just think it's, it's very much about, um, I see how much God was able to pour into me. So how can I then pour out to others um, considering how faithful he's been? So, yeah. Uh come on lord help me yeah won't he do it <laughs> literally made a way literally Holy made a way trolley. Yes. <laughs> i actually i love that you were sharing even the beginning um i also i don't know maybe if it was like i mean because we're around the same age like around that time i was also like a journalism major english major like i was like i'm gonna work i'm gonna be sanaya Lathan's character in brown sugar uh, yes. like literally that was like what i thought my life was gonna be Okay. Um, and then God was like, "No, you're not." Actually, not chill. God was like, "Chill." <laughs> yeah, he's like, "That's cute." Yes. Um, but praise <laughs> the Lord, yo! Like that's yeah, that's just really um, encouraging. I'm glad that you got to share your testimony if you haven't before. Um, that it really encourages you know people in that faith walk. That really is like sometimes we can be so devastated by closed doors mm -hmm. that we're not realizing like that golden door that is in our like in our path that the Lord has right um, mm -hmm. already available to us right, and that He's faithful. Um, to, to provide for us in that future. I always say a, a no from the Lord is a better yes later, right? Oh, so man. it's really like living in that and, and you know, still feeling maybe disappointment or, or like sad when you do have those closed doors in front of you. 
but also like knowing the God who like has gone before you and seeing time and time, time and time again before how he's done it and how he'll do it again. Um, and also seeing it in other people's lives. So yeah, thank you for sharing that um, amazing and beautiful testimony. Um, so tell us how people can find you. Tell us about this new community that you have, things that you have upcoming, all the things. Yes. So um, you can find me um, on like across social media platforms um, at Tara Hugie. Uh, that's T-A-R-A-H-U-G-H-E-E. -E. Um, you can, yeah, I also have a website, tarahugielmhc.com, where I share like a, quite a few like resources um, on how to, you know, maybe find a therapist, though I'm not in private practice myself maybe we'll see. I don't know. Laura might make a way. We'll see. Um, uh, like I at least provide resources on how like you could find a therapist, what are like platforms in which you can search. Um, and more recently you can now find me at thehelpercircle.com. So before I go ahead and shout out my project, I also just have to shout out pre real quick in how, if you have not signed up for coaching, I know you might be on pause for, you know, a little while, but if you have not, go ahead and do that. Um, Pre has absolutely partnered alongside me in helping me to, um, to bring about this new community called the Helper Circle. And it is an emerging community encouraging wellness and wholeness for Christian women in the mental health field. So it's essentially this idea of helping the helpers, right? Um, when we think of women, all my Marthas out there, can I get a whoop whoop? All my Marthas out there, <laughs> speaking of like the duality of like women, you know, really helping in their work and then also helping in, you know, their personal lives. Um, really, I, I'm a huge believer in like boundaries. I'm always like preaching boundaries and I know I need to preach some more to myself. Um, and so I really uh, wanted to create this community as a way of, um, you know, caring, you know, for us caring for ourselves. Burnout is so real. Burnout has been especially real in the last year. And so we need a space to be able to, um, yeah, to love on ourselves, to care on ourselves, to share resources, to um, share network opportunities, um, all of those things, sharing skills. And so, yeah, so the helper circle, you know, came about as this idea of, yeah, like wanting, again, to create this space for us. Um, so I'm really excited about it. Uh, you can find us again at thehelpercircle.com, also on Instagram at thehelpercircle. Um, and also we'll be having an event launching. So uh, go ahead to that website. You can go ahead and sign up. If you are a Christian woman within the mental health field, we'd love to see you there. Um, so you can go ahead to the website for all of those details. Yes, I'm so excited. Sorry if that blew up y'all's ears. <laughs> I'm so, I'm so excited for this. Um, yeah, we've been on this journey together for a few months and I'm so excited for you, for people to get served in this way, right? This is such a needed community um, for, for Christians, for Christian women. Um, and I think, yeah, it's just going to bring about uh, a new level of even how other people are served because, you know, we're serving each other. A lot of this episode is really like basically what the helper circle is, right? Like who are really um, we can be doing for one another in the space that you're creating. So praise the Lord that you are walking in that purpose and that <laughs> calling and saying yes to it. So all this information y'all will be in the show notes um, in the episode. So 
you know, um, if you don't know how to, if you didn't hear something or anything like that, just go to the notes of the episode and all the links, all the things will be there. Thank you so much, Tara. I'm so grateful that um, you brought your knowledge, your experience, your testimony, um, your ministering to um, the, the hearers of this episode. And I just pray that, yeah, it blesses people. I know it blessed me. Um, it encouraged me even more. I already go to therapy and I do, sp- I get spiritual direction. And it just encouraged me to know that I am in the right path of really walking in this wellness journey that the Lord really wants for me, right? That That, that is uh, a part of the abundance that he has for me. So thank you. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. This was great. Thank you. Hey ladies, I hope that conversation blessed you and you're able to apply a few things that you learned into your everyday life. God is with you and we're so excited that you get to continue to grow in your faith. Make sure you check out other episodes if you haven't already and be sure to hit that subscribe button, leave us a rate and review and make sure to follow us on Instagram at yes and amen podcast. See you next time.